0: Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started.
1: The title of this interview
0: is Unlocking
1: Your Subconscious to Master Your Mindset. A very valuable thing. That was from me. That's not the official title. The last part was from me. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest is Vincent Infante, a fellow New Yorker I my head. Uh, not just that, Staten Islander. So we already got, and he's Italian, so I'm, I'm already liking this guy a lot. But you know, I could like anybody, of course. <laughs> so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about how to reanalyze your subconscious mind and begin to reprogram yourself for success, which is what I'm all about. I love it. Now, Vincent ha- has over 12 years in mental health and has a lifetime of service. He is a master mindset coach licensed psychotherapist that's something i'm not <laughs> and former fire department of new york firefighter that's quite a background and that is fantastic i'm an ex-paratrooper so we're, we're kind of oh. all right <laughs> currently he runs his own coaching business that caters to high profile clients i like the i like the sound of this guy i like the cut of cut of his jib but with that out of the way ladies and gentlemen and others vincent infante hey,
2: thanks for having me tony
1: you're quite welcome glad you're here thanks for being here uh, i've interviewed all sorts of people you know several of the new yorkers more than several but i you're the first italian from staten island and i, I like that very much
2: <laughs> well, that's all there is in staten island
1: <laughs> and, and by the way i before yeah not all but that's the that's the the bulk of it uh, just before the interview um you were saying that your father was a director of Maimonides. I was born at Maimonides. Maimonides is, is a famous and very important hospital here in Brooklyn for those listening. And it's been around for a long time. And I was born there in 1965, way before Vincent came on the picture, I might add. <laughs> so that's great. And we were talking about how, you know, I, I I was talking about how we got started in the game, I called it. I, I had to, as the phrase I used, I think was wallow in the mire for many years. I'm much older than Vincent. And uh, which is, you know, this is a factual description, but, uh, and then I got into, into coaching, neuro-linguistic programming and personal development, working with clients. This guy uh, went to Farrell High School, a, a prominent Catholic high school on Staten Island. At 18 years old, he got right into mental health. Wow, man. Let's talk about that real quick. I mean, you really knew what you wanted to do.
2: Uh, yeah, ever since I was a kid, actually, it's it's when people used to ask me what I wanted to do, I actually had two professions I always told them I would do. I said, I'm going to be a psychotherapist, like my dad, and I'm going to be a firefighter. And, and so then well. people would get it, right? They get a little confused. They'd be like, you want to be a therapist in the fire department? I was like, no, no, I'm going to do both. I'm going to be a therapist and a firefighter.
1: And are you still in the FDNY?
2: Uh, no, I actually resigned about a year and a half coming up on a, um, coming up on about two years ago to uh, pursue my business full-time
1: fantastic i love it man so you've got that resume you got that background that experience must be an incredible experience uh you listen to, i mean it's pretty obvious at the risk of being obvious there's something special about a person who runs to danger you know mm-hmm. most people run from it you know instinctually if you talk we're going to talk about the subconscious mind right out of the subconscious flee from danger or fight right fight or flight uh, you know, and I was an ex-paratrooper, you know, we, I parachuted into danger. <laughs> uh, he took a, he took a, a screaming fire truck to danger. Uh, but the, you know, that's something you have to overcome, you know, well, let's we're going to get into the subconscious mind and other things. Uh, and let's get right into it. What, you know, what exactly is the subconscious mind?
2: So the subconscious mind is very interesting. It's something that's always on 24 seven, mm-hmm. even when you're sleeping. It's a mind that is working in tandem, but also separate from your conscious mind. It's it's like it's like another part of you. You might have even heard of people referring to their shadow selves. That's that's kind of hitting on, on the subconscious mind. Uh
1: it it is a fascinating thing, the subconscious mind. I mean, it's I mean, we you could call it just a terminology, uh, right? Because we're talking about it so we can discuss it and explain it but there mm. you know there's probably just one mind and the conscious part that's the part that we know about we that we things that we realize so the subconscious part is everything else <laughs> right and it's always going on but you know the subconscious mind is like the uh the cliche iceberg you know we can stick, you see the conscious mind that's the, that's above the water the subconscious mm. mind way much bigger much more powerful i mean you you know this is a this is a real time discussion so Ben and I may disagree which is fine um but I believe uh that the the most powerful beliefs that we have we're not even aware of <laughs> and was for and were formulated in our in our formulative years our younger years but we don't even realize them what do you think about that
2: no i a hundred percent agree that's what I tell clients uh Pretty much in every session, I have a pretty standard way I work with people. But one of the biggest things that I've learned through my experience as a traditional therapist, and then through even my training as a coach—I mean, fun fact about my coaching—I got my coaching certification under Tony Robbins' program. So
1: Tony, Tony Robbins is the man.
2: He's the man, and he's also all about your BS, aka your belief systems or bullshit. <laughs> so he really drives that home but you know what really got me interested in tony robbins is that i've learned he's pretty much a master psychologist without even totally. you know going through it he's better than most and so oh. i started really looking into this because my biggest my biggest uh modality back when i was doing traditional therapy was cbt and dbt mm. as well as positive psychology these for are the, for having- those who
1: don't know that's cognitive behavioral therapy and what's a uh, didactic is the other one
2: dialectical dialectical, the dialectical behavioral also, therapy right they're very similar um and so these two things very heavily also focus on learning about your beliefs your actions your thoughts your behaviors some of the most fun statistics that i know for instance is that the average is 95% of your day-to-day activities is done subconsciously we also have roughly 80 80 I think it's 86,400. I know that's, I said roughly, but that seems like a pretty accurate number. We have roughly 86,400 thoughts a day. And we are uh, conscious of about 7% of those. So what, maybe 7,000, 7, to 10,000 of those? Right,
1: and the vast majority of those thoughts are the same thoughts we had yesterday.
2: Correct, exactly. <laughs> and so the subconscious is very heavily just our beliefs, our behaviors, our emotions, our responses, our rules for life the meaning we give to things, perception, mind, all of it's in the subconscious. And to your point, probably 99% of it started in your childhood. Mm -hmm. I always like to tell people this little analogy because it makes a lot of sense where as a kid, you tried to walk for the first time you're trying to walk and you probably fell a thousand times, never gave up. In fact, your parents probably encouraged you. They always told you like, you could do it. You could do it. Our human spirit our subconscious in in the essence of what it is has always been to try and try and try again however at some point in our life somebody started telling us otherwise and then this we is, this
1: is the great human tragedy right here
2: yes we adopt those beliefs where they're not our thoughts right your parents never told you hey listen You've fallen a thousand times. You suck at walking. Stop. Go sit in a wheelchair. You're you're not a walker. Come on. What are you doing? They've never done that. And so you always believed because you believed it in here. And I'm pointing to my heart. You believed it in here (laughs) that you could do it and you had encouragement from outside sources. But somewhere as we grow up along the way that encouragement turns into criticism and that criticism then shapes our beliefs and other people's voices get twisted and become our own so every negative thought and belief is yes it's programmed into you especially at a younger age from someone you believed in or loved or admired and then it became which is really what makes it hard for us to get over it becomes our thought our voice right, our right. belief and so yes you're 100% right the programming's it's a long standing program that we run
1: absolutely now you're a therapist then now and i'm a coach well I, i'm a personal development coach was a life coach and i'm not even a coach anymore i'm really just an entrepreneur i'm the head of it mike i have i have a technological coaching company so, and that's what i have now but uh and i'm a practitioner of nlp neuro-linguistic programming for many, you know, and i've been you know i've been in this this field of personal development and proceeding this self-help for a long time and periodically, invariably, I always had this consideration that I should get into it proper, like you are, become a therapist, or, or, or you know, go get a degree in psychology. And I always poo, poo-poo, not poo-pooed it, but said, "No, I'm not now." But I, but it was constant; it was reoccurring. So a couple of years ago, I finally decided not to have that recurring thought anymore, and not weigh it out, you know, every two years, because I because I realized, well, I decided that. Uh, as much as I love psychology, as a matter of fact, it's my favorite subject. You know, and, and just as you alluded to about Tony Robbins, a coach has to be a practical psychologist, even though he doesn't have the degree. You know, that's that's that's, that's what I you know a coach is. He, he's a psychologist without a degree, and, and that's me, right? But I, I I decided that I could help or reach a lot more people as an entrepreneur. Uh, and make an impact in their life. If, you know, if I had such uh, influence or effect with my business, uh, rather than going the psychology route in terms of college and degrees. Uh, but, there, uh, but, there, but psychologists, therapists, and coaches, two sides of the same coin. Indeed, you're both. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's gaining in popularity with therapists now to become also a coach. And the way I see it is coach uh, therapy is helping a client reconcile with the past and coaching is helping them get what they want in the future. That's the way I see it. What do you think about that?
2: I think it's similar. I think the way that I always try to explain it is, um, and what I was about to say is my explanation is similar to yours. <laughs> uh, I believe, for instance, when I try to pick my service to someone, right? And I don't actually believe in selling. I'm all about kind of like ethical sales. So whenever people approach me about coaching, I'm never going to push them or attack their pain points or anything like that. I always just see how I could provide value. And if somebody likes it, they do it. Right. And so the way I always try to kind of just explain what I do, because I think people even get confused. It's like, so are you doing therapy or are you doing coaching? What are you doing? I'm like, I do it all. I think that the reality is, is that both therapy and coaching are phenomenal and they both have shortcomings. Too many coaches uh, have trouble with taking people into their past. They either feel unqualified or they feel like they don't know how to do it. Mm. And then too many therapists don't know how to push their clients hard enough. And that's really where they achieve lots of change. So I've kind of broken it down to say, I I give this hybrid service where I, I play three people in your life. And I learned therapy is about meeting the client where they're at and seeing what their standards are for life, how they've programmed themselves, their belief systems, all of these things, like understanding the client where they're at. Then you need a mentor. You need somebody to teach you. It's been shown and proven. You can't change a belief system if you don't have new info to change it with. So I need to mentor. I need to teach you, give you the tools, the knowledge, the equipment, everything you need. And then I come in as your coach. And as I mentioned before, the difference between a therapist and a coach is this. The therapist meets you where you're at and the coach challenges you to raise your standards for life and gets you to a new place. I think this, and, and this is what I'm kind of fighting for, this is my mission, is to essentially get the world to see, it shouldn't be coach fish therapist, it should be a combination therapist. I think that this is really the hybrid that the world needs to give people better changes. So many of the ethics and old codes, codes of therapy, I feel out, out of date, they're archaic, I don't think they really help people, and I think they discourage connection, which is what you need for great changes to be had. And same thing with coaching. I think coaching is phenomenal because it's so unregulated, you can do whatever you want. But I think that's also where a few of the shortcomings come is because with that unregulation, some people don't know how to achieve the change in a stronger and more professional way. So I'm looking to always uh, basically, uh, unfortunately, preach about this hybrid service as to how I think this is something that we really need in the world. And it's hopefully a new age thought that that comes to fruition.
1: I I love it. He used the word New Age. You know, I used to make fun of New Ages up until the time I realized that I was one. <laughs> but you know, I, you, what you said sounds to me like an absolute bullseye. Absolute. I mean, you could not be more dead on than what you just described, and I totally commend you, sir. That's fantastic. And you said a key word that I really liked: raising standards. You know, I talked to and mentorship. You know, as part of the third person that you like to you like to come at a client with. You know, I, I'm a recovered addict alcoholic. Been sober a very long time, and one of the, and I had issues with the 12 step fellowship. You know, it's 12 step fellowship is fantastic, but the, it's ripe with pitfalls. Uh, and um, but what I would tell people quite often who wanted my advice, I would say, listen just raise your standards, start raising your standards, start making this behavior unacceptable to you and go for a standard that's better than that, a better behavior. That's the simplest. I can, I can't put it more simpler than that. Start with that and you'll start operating better. It's it, and And that's, and why do I say that? Cause that's what I did in my life,
0: you mm-hmm.
1: know, and that's a why how, and that's a primary reason how I transcended, 12-step fellowship. I mean, I haven't needed a meeting in a long time because I don't, I didn't want to While meeting, trading meetings for drugs and, and society's favorite drug, alcohol is a good trade. It's still just a trade. You know, Definitely. I wanted to stand on my own feet wherever I was. And, and I kept, and I had that in mind. I wanted to do a lot with my life. I had great hopes, great aspirations and goals. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to be just a meeting maker. I wanted to be someone who could really go far independently sovereign and all that. So I think man you you you're, you're sounding awesome my friend. And I also like to say another thing. You know you 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 uh work with CBT or you you used you used to. You know as a, I'm a I'm an NLP practitioner which you know basically NLP is a, is a form of psychology that focuses on how we think as opposed to all the other parts of psychology. Um, and cbt they say i've heard many times is the psychology side of nlp you know the, which has a real degrees re, re, in real curriculums and colleges well nlp is not not like that at all you know and it's about you know being coming logical and and really going with cause and effect and stuff like that so i, I and 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 i want say one other thing about um uh, about uh, nlp and you talked about some of the uh, other things that are re- facets related to it, working with others, and and by the way, uh, you know, you you, you talked about. I uh, yeah, I said that was a mentor. You know, I used to mentor people in the, in the rooms of the fellowship. But working mm-hmm. with others, NLP. I found that with NLP, working on yourself is is very difficult, uh, and often the, the effects are not lasted. Working with others as an NLP practitioner, I found to be much more successful. You know, you're a therapist, you're a coach, you're a mentor uh people you know when you're just when you're in the picture it's hard to see the picture you know you're just you're you're too involved emotionally and it's hard to hard to step out of yourself to see the bigger picture so working with another i have it's been my observation my experience is far more effective than working on yourself uh more or less i mean i'm a person that strives for personal development i'm all about evolution and uh, i'm striving to be enlightened <laughs> but uh I know i find i get the best results when i work with others one way or the other when they work with me when i work with them what do you think about okay. that
2: i think that one at least with nlp so i i am not i'm not yet certified in nlp that's actually one of my goals is to go for the for my next set certain that i love nlp I've studied it a lot. Uh, I'm unofficially certified because I actually do a lot of NLP techniques with my clients. Fantastic. My opinion of NLP is I would say, um, I think it's it's definitely got roots in CBT, but yeah. I also find, at least from my traditional training, I think it's more rooted in DBT, which is the dialectical behavioral therapy. And the only reason I say that is because from my understanding, and I would love, you know correct me if I'm wrong here, because I don't know enough about it, I'm not even certified, but what my understanding is of NLP is that it really, what makes such powerful changes in NLP is that it really hits on the emotions, right? And we know that emotion is energy and motion and the way you physiologically embody your emotion and all of these different things are going to be very impactful to your behaviors and your thoughts. In DBT, DBT is actually very heavily involved in getting people through emotionally, uh, emotional regulation and emotionally stressful situations. And so, using different types of like visualization techniques or ways to pull and detensify, or I think I just made a word up, uh, <laughs> take away the intensity <laughs> right, right. of the emotions that someone is struggling with is heavily, heavily rooted in uh, DBT, where CBT yes. is a little bit more of that like logical side, like well, why are you doing this right. and then what's the behavior, etc. So I, I think I have that that kind of thought and, and feedback on NLP, and I think it's phenomenal. No, but-
1: You've got a good grasp on it, my friend. Very good grasp. You know, you know, the the emotions. Obviously, humans are emotional creatures, yeah. uh, and every any person knows that. Uh, but you know, the thing is that we don't realize how important state management is because our state affects us probably more than anything. You could be the most effective person in the world unless you're highly disciplined you're not going to do what you need to do (laughs) if your state is prohibitive so you want the proper state for whatever the endeavor or task is or situation for sure
2: and i think too like to to the other point that you said about being able to help others i think you know there's there's always been that saying right those who can't do teach And I used to really heavily believe in that because I had my own issues, (laughs) but I think that as I've gotten older, I think it's a little of a combination. I don't know if we could always do the things that we teach. I always try to strive to do it because I, I think if we really think about what gets clients great results is this, it's the absolute certainty and the belief that you could get those results that you know the process
1: yes and i
2: think one of the best ways if you're somebody who's struggling with this right now to even think about is one of the best ways to help somebody is to be absolutely certain you can to be absolutely certain you can definitely. is to do it within yourself
1: definitely and that, that that will they'll they'll know that they'll feel it they'll sense it they'll yeah. perceive it and if they doubt you they'll doubt themselves they'll doubt the outcomes yeah. very That's good correct. Let's take a quick moment to hear, uh, to get it for a commercial break. And we'll be right back with Vincent Infante.
2: This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perfizio. What if there was a self-improvement program truly personalized to you that knew and cared for you deeply? That whatever was going on in your life adapted for you perpetually? Visit www.perfizio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can start a program that will always suit you, considering all the pressures and nuances of your life.
1: You're all listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We're talking with Vincent Infante. We're talking about subconscious mind. We're talking about a number of things uh, related to it. Let's get to my next question. Then, how does one identify habits and patterns?
2: Okay, so there's actually a really cool uh, technique I could give for anyone who's listening who actually wants to take the challenge. Right. I got this a long time ago out of a CBT book. So it's 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 been uh, used, tried and tested. <laughs> and I've done it myself as we, if you remember from a few seconds ago. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so there's actually a way to understand the ways you programmed yourself and anyone can do this It's actually very easy and it doesn't take a lot of insight what you do is you keep a journal for 30 days but not the traditional journal that you're thinking of there should be virtually no detail in this journal see we are again patterned and we are acting out of habits so to understand your habits is to just see the patterns because you can't break a habit without awareness so the task in this journal is to write down moments of your life that happen with the emotion that comes up. Now, a lot of people tend to journal and they tend to go into great detail. This isn't that because if you do that, you're taking away from the ability to just focus on your patterns and your habits, because, what we start doing, if you give too much detail, is you're going to start justifying or finding reasons as to why that behavior was acceptable. We're not looking for acceptable or unacceptable behaviors here. With this specific task, we're looking to just understand your pattern. So write something as simple as like Tuesday, guy cut me off, got pissed. Wednesday, you know, girlfriend didn't listen to me, got pissed you'll do this for about a month and you'll start seeing that there are certain emotions that come up most for you. This we could describe as your emotional home. Um, That's like your most familiar emotion that you constantly go back to, but you'll also see other patterns. You'll notice maybe your prominent emotion is anger in, you know, 30 situations you wrote down um, in that month. And you'll also see other things. You might see that you're happy a lot or whatever the case may be. So this is actually one of the best ways that I've found to really get a good handle. The issue is that a lot of people don't want to do this because the time requirement is 30 days, 30 days of journaling every day in lots of circumstances. However, if you really do this, I can virtually promise and guarantee you will understand your patterns after that
1: time frame. This is sounds like an extremely useful thing. Patterns are, they may be everything. I mean, and basically, if you, you're doomed to repeat your patterns, (laughs) and and if you're not getting what you want, you're not getting the outcomes you want, if you don't change them, you're screwed, you are screwed, you must change your patterns, and where they come from, just the thing that we started this conversation with, your Mm -hmm. subconscious mind, that's where they are, you don't even think about them, you just do them, and you'll do them and do them, as a coach, I would... Well, not all the time. A lot, most of the time, with with clients, I, you know, I would they had uh, specific issues, and I helped them, you know, become go from dysfunctional to functional. But uh, and patterns are related to that certainly. But basically, a pattern is a way of acting or maybe feeling. And you know, as a coach, though, I can distill. A success person, a, a person who's a, who is a success or a person who is a failure in this simple description is that a person who is, is, is a success has enough success patterns and a minimum of failure patterns and a failure personality is the opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and a pattern is, is a habit. They're synonyms, you know, practically identical. So we've got the thing, the challenge that we all have is to reduce our our the unwanted habits and increase the wanted, wanted habits. That's the well, that's the challenge that we all have. And I'm challenged with the daily <laughs> habits. I want habits, but you know, and how long is it? You know, they used to be they used to say that if you do th- something thirty days for to make a habit, you know what? I found that it takes longer than that. You know. How long does it take? As long as it takes. If you mm-hmm. really want to do it, you're gonna keep doing it until you don't have to think about it anymore. And you just do it. That's when you've arrived.
2: Yeah. I you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually read a uh it maybe it was like a Mythbuster article. It wasn't actually from Mythbusters, but they talked about the whole 30 days to break I oh, No, no, no.
1: First it was three weeks, then they started expanding that to 30 days. Right, right, right. It, so,
2: yeah, I mean, they always have like this newer, oh guys, it only takes thirty. Days. There, there was the study and they found that essentially as they study people and how long it takes to break and form habits, they found the highest performing people in this study. I don't remember the, uh, the number of people they had, but it was, it was a good enough study that, that seemed like there was validity in it. They had the highest performing people formed habits in 13 days, the highest forming 13 days. And then they found the people that took the longest to form habits were about 183 days. That's <sighs> half a year. And so it's very interesting because one of the things that I could think of that actually helps with habits and breaking or forming them is the amount and the intensity. So if, if Tony, if you were to do a podcast every single day for a month, let's just say right. 30 days, your ability to speak on a podcast would be phenomenal. If the average person did one podcast a month, right. One compared to your 30, you would have virtually what a 30x experience in a month that it would take them how many years to get? Exactly. So you see, the best they way to do three years to
1: match my one month, and they, yeah, and exactly. they would not get the benefit still, because the the frequency uh, is a critical thing. I have found. I'm sorry, I interrupted you.
2: I was just I was just gonna finish with the 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 aspect of what you went into is right, basically that your intensity and your frequency is going to build that up so quickly that your skill will skyrocket because you're closing uh, what I call closing gaps. You're making three years of experience in one month. That's how people get lucky and explode out of nowhere, right? Right. They become the overnight success because they practice so intensely for a year where it takes people 10 years of barely any effort. So go ahead. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Absolutely. (laughs)
1: Totally concur. And, And I'll add this too. And you already alluded to it or implied it with, with your uh, scenario is that you know, frequency uh, is great, uh, but consistency is the, is the icing on it's more than the icing on the cake. It's the platinum. The more consistent I am in anything, the better I am at it, the quicker it happens, the quicker you want to be successful, successful, be consistent. You'll get it much more quicker. These, as you said, the 30 days uh, daily, as opposed to the, you know, three years or once a month. Consistency, persistence is the key to success. The other yeah. side of that is learning. You got to learn. If you keep on doing what doesn't work or it's not getting the result, you've got to learn. What you've know, got to change at least, and hopefully, you know, do something that's functional. But that aside, consistency is the is the the thing of the champions that's Mm -hmm. the that's the the entity of champions that's what they have they they practice they work out they do their tests they do their business consistently and that's a primary reason why i haven't become that millionaire yet i you know you know i i created a virtual coaching program you're a coach i'm a coach uh i love coaching uh and i've created a virtual coaching program that's going to transform self-help and it's a virtual coaching program. It's called Proficio. And, and the thing is that coach, to be, to, if, you, if we're not consistent in what we do, well, then what happens on, uh, invariably is that we, we, we get distracted and then we stop even doing it. You know, we, we peter out. So we we lose momentum and then we stall and then we get distracted and it's like well what am I going to do next? So then we give up on that dream and that adds to us. You know, I'll, you know, as a ther- as a as a as a therapist, l- let me hear what your feedback is on this. You know, my, I have found that perhaps the primary cause of stress. But certainly, we have stresses to to for our, our, our needs, right? And To take care of our families and loved ones. You know, when that's you know in jeopardy or. Or uncertain that adds to our stress. But I have found, I'm a single guy, so I don't. That doesn't ha- happen to me too much. I have found that the greatest increaser of stress for people is not completing something, <laughs> not finishing something, not doing something they wanted to do. It just stays. It us. It stays in ourselves. I never did that. You don't think about it, but where does it go? And that thing we mentioned at the beginning, the subconscious mind, another thing I, I didn't finish another thing I started and, and that was the end of it. And it just sits with us. It sits with us. And, and I, and it just, it, you know, it, it's, we stew in it. That's, that's been my interpretation. What do you think about that, Ben?
2: I think that stress comes from kind of the last word you said right there. Interpretation it comes from our perceptions. Yeah. So I, I, in the scenario you gave, I would I would look at it as perhaps the stress isn't coming from like the person didn't do the thing. I think the stress comes in because they're not living up to one is the standards. And two, they don't have an identity developed. Like the only reason we do anything in life is because of the fact that we have an identity for, it. you know, if you're a successful person, you identify as successful, you're going to do things that make you successful. So you don't have to stress about not doing things because you know, that's not who you are. There's no worry in there. I think that's where like people people have that, that perception that if they do something or they don't do something, it's in line with that identity or it's not. And so the further we are from our personal identity or who we should be, the more kind of stressed we feel. I think the more in line we feel, the better we feel. Like for me, I mean, I could even talk from my personal experience. I struggled a lot myself. I struggled with uh, anxiety, depression, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts. Doctor, uh, my therapist wanted to put me on medication. I I refused. And everything that came from that, all of my stress, all of those panic attacks and, and mental breakdowns I was having were actually because I wasn't, I wasn't developing my identity. I was pushing away and not coming to acceptance with who I was as a person and I was trying to change myself without actually changing myself and so all of this stress came from my perception of how painful life was for me but when I finally took my identity back and I realized who I was as a person the person I've been trying to bury for years and years and and it doesn't even have to be anything significant I'm not even saying like I came out of the closet because I'm I, I that never happened to me the reality is I just didn't like who I was and so I buried that person And when I finally accepted that person, all of my stress honestly went away. I stopped going to therapy. I didn't need it. Honestly, I didn't need the medication. I created a better outlook for my life. And I was able to just transform in one moment, one decision to be more of who I believed I could be. And so I think when we, when we get stressed, it's really a big piece of like, you're out of alignment. You don't know yourself. You don't know what you want. You're struggling. Like, Procrastination is defense to being stressed. Laziness is defense to being stressed. But where do those things come from? What do you, what do you, you know, using that defense for? And so these are all such. I mean, there are all so so many interpretations, so many ways that you could look at this. I mean, okay. well, it's I, so I agree with you. To I
1: totally agree with you. Identity is a is a critical thing, and yeah. we, and I use that in coaching very much. You use a hierarchy of values and uh, or a hierarchy of, of change, and identity is at the top. Yes, at the top, you know. You can real simply ask a smoker, uh, someone who smokes cigarettes. You know, you know if how do they identify as a smoker or as a non-smoker? They're going to mm-hmm. tell you, a smoker. You say, listen, I don't want you to be a smoker anymore. I want you to think of yourself as a non-smoker. They'll say, but I'm not. And you'll say, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why you smoke because you're a right. smoker, right? But let's take a quick moment uh, to uh, hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Vincent Infante.
2: This episode of self-help coaching is brought to you by Perficio Benjamin Franklin taught that leisure is the time for doing something useful and that this leisure the diligent person will obtain but the lazy one never visit www.perficio.io that's p e r f i c i o.io where you can transform your idea of leisure to make it actually add to your life.
1: You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We're having a wonderful discussion with Vincent Infante, talking about all sorts of things about success and patterns. Let me ask straight out, Vin, how can we change our narrative? The narratives are things that we hear in our, right in our head, but how can we change it?
2: Question it. Nobody, this is the biggest part, right? This is the subconscious. We don't question our narratives. We don't ask good questions and we just let it run wild. We think and therefore right i who who said this quote i think therefore i am right i I don't know it's an old quote i don't remember who said it but you know there was something that changed for me uh it was actually something that nietzsche had presented now nietzsche for anyone who doesn't know is a very very famous writer philosopher therapist all these things and there was this one exercise that he talks about where he says close your eyes and just observe your thoughts Notice them, just notice them. Don't do anything with them. Just see if there's thoughts there, if you could observe them. And then, you know, everybody always says yes, because the reality is we can observe our thoughts. And then he said, notice that, notice where those thoughts coming from and then notice who's observing those thoughts, which allows us to understand we are not our thoughts. So if you want to shift an identity, question your thoughts, understand where they're coming from, ask why are they here? what do I have to learn? And then ask a better question.
1: Absolutely. By the way, that's very NLP. NLP, by the way, 95% of NLP was not invented by Milpers. It was, it's taken from people like Nietzsche. It's just codified. And that's a very NLP thing to do. And I, you know, uh, you mentioned that quote, but I think therefore I am, you know, most people, many people, it seems, Think that their brain is what's in charge of them. What an incredible mistake this is! Mm. The brain is just the, the top organ of your neurological system. What's in charge, people, is your mind. That's what's in charge, and that's how you—that's how you break patterns. That's how you create habits, because your brain wants you to do something over and over. It's—it's it's already ingrained, right? It's literally you can be, your habits literally can be found in the brain. But that's not what's in charge. Your mind is. You don't want to do that anymore. You decide not to, and you. And then your brain is like, No, no, this is what I do. Well, you got to say to your brain, "I'm in charge." I, you can say that literally, or you can say it in other ways. But you got to keep doing what you want to do until now. You have you break that old habit and you make the new habit, whatever it is, and that may include, you know, thinking better thoughts. As we're talking about changing the narrative, the narrative is very important. You know, we are as you said at the beginning, we are meaning making machines we must make good meanings or, or decide, you know, what things mean or how we want to change them. Otherwise, you know, the patterns will just be in charge. <laughs> yeah. will be in charge. 100%. So you want, do you want, do you have any other recommendations about changing our narratives? Do you want to just leave that one alone?
2: I think, I think that's probably the best way to change a yeah. narrative. Honestly, I think even another way could be, um, And and I'm sure you've already learned about this. It's also a big technique in in traditional therapies, modeling, right? If you want to- NLP
1: began with modeling.
2: Yeah. Modeling modeling is critical. And modeling is probably one of the best tactics, right? So not only asking the questions and questioning your thoughts and saying, like, why am I thinking this way? Or what's the better thought? Asking who is it that you want to become? And then essentially trying to, sorry, trying isn't real. Essentially just going and doing- Right. What it is that that successful person does, and it doesn't mean you're going to get the same results, but we know that modeling shows us an example of something we can achieve and why that's so great is it does come back to the subconscious again, because the brain can achieve anything it can't see first and the subconscious brain doesn't understand the difference between reality and a thought. So if you're modeling after someone, you're tricking the subconscious brain into seeing a possibility, right? Like that's why visualization techniques are so powerful because the, you could imagine yourself driving a Lamborghini and your brain won't even know the difference. It's going to be like, damn, it feels good driving in this Lambo. And then you wake up and your conscious brain is like, we don't have no Lambo here. (laughs) And So if you want a second technique is go model, find someone, see the possibilities. So your brain can actually perceive and achieve.
1: In that virtual uh, coaching program that I created, that's one of the things that the coach, it's an, auto, it's an automated coach that really knows a person, mm. tells the client, I call them client by the way, which is <laughs> client, which is what us coaches and therapists have. And student, because you're a student of self-help, it tells the client to get a mentor in the, in the particular field that they're studying, because that is incredibly valuable. If You want to do something, Find out someone who's done that thing and, and look at what they do or ask them, but more often than not, they're not even aware of it. It's subconscious. So you gotta pay cl- careful attention, but mentors are where it's at or, you know, people that you can model, study, that's where it's at, man. Totally. Yeah. And there, there are all sorts of effective tools and, strategy and uh, strategies for modeling or, or changing narratives. Can you recommend any others?
2: Let's say I got so many. I mean, there are so many. There's so many
1: in know, You know what? I, one thing I loved about coaching on the phone, which is what I did for years, um, is that I would you know I would assess, I would study a client, assess them, and, re- you know, and research all these uh, methods and techniques I can approach the issues that they wanted and the outcomes they wanted. And I would write to have all on my fo- on my desk. I have 20 papers on there, and I'd have them on my phone headset, and. And they would get incredible results sometimes i would say oh my god this shit really works (laughs) because i couldn't believe it you know they're like you know what problem i don't have that problem before like 10 minutes ago you were crying about it but but they would think i was so smart because they didn't see me reading (laughs) on the (laughs) paper but that you know but because you know you probably see people one-on-one but as a i I never did i I was always over the phone I mean, I work with people one-on-one, but it was not the way I have my business set up. But I loved it, man, you know, on the phone. And they think I'm so small, but I'm just, you know, I do my research and I'm prepared. Preparation, that's that's a critical key to success. You know, people don't realize it. they think they oh, all, you know, they see a success, successful person and they, they want to be, you know, oh, I want to be like this successful person. They don't see all the preparation, all the hard work that went into becoming success. That That is, that's where it's at.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, there, it's, it takes, what is it? It takes a lot of time and effort to become an overnight success.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that. That is great. I love that. That Man, this has been a fantastic discussion, Vince. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I understand you also have a free offer for the audience.
2: Yes. Yes, I do. So you can either reach out to me over Instagram or LinkedIn or any of my social medias. And uh, we'll set up what's called a free strategy call. So that strategy call is basically to see, one, if we're a good fit to work together, because it's not just about you choosing me. I have to choose you. I only want to work with specific clients. I know who I'm looking for. So if you're working with me, it's because we chose each other. And it's a time where we'll really see, you know, aside from if we're a good fit. What you need help with, if I could be that person for you, or if I think somebody else would be a better fit. And so it's, you know, it's about a 30 minute phone call or so, and we'll take a little bit of time or as much time as we need to really just kind of go through it together.
1: Fantastic. And you've got a website, uh, VincentInfante.life. Correct. So, yes. uh, uh, that is Vincent, V I N C E N T, Infante, I N F A N T, dot life, L I V E, not dot com. So life. Go there. If you're interested, check it out, take Vincent up uh, on his offer, you know, give him a call, give him an email, see if he's right for you, see if you're right for him. Because you. I love that you got a match. Sometimes I've had some, I had a few clients that it was really a mismatch and, and it did not work out. But you know, I, I have a 90%, over a 90% success rate with my clients. But I would say that the ones that I, you know, we didn't have good outcomes with, if I had perhaps spent more time uh, on preparing is that word again uh, and seeing if you're a match probably my success rate would have been much closer to 100 I,
2: I could agree with that i think that the biggest reason that i do that screening so to speak is really just because of the fact that you, you got to be coachable maybe at the moment you think you want it but you're not ready and that's fine too like i think the only reason we wouldn't be a good fit is just because one of us isn't ready for the other person and so it's just about always meeting people where they're at i've i've had a few clients that i didn't help and that was really because I didn't screen well. I didn't know if they were ready for it. And I took them on anyway. And that's why I've also become more selective because I want to make sure it's not a waste of time and money and that we both get the most out of it.
1: Excellent. And time is truly the most valuable thing we have. That's Ben you know, the first course I have in Proficio, my virtual coaching program is a financial course by Ben Franklin. And, and one of his main axioms is that time is the most valuable thing you have. Not yeah. money, time. The richest person in the world the poorest person in the world the thing that they have both that's most valuable is time mm-hmm. and so don't waste your time for sage advice i mean you alluded to it and i'm confirming it yeah. <laughs> and, and uh so you i know you're on social media uh, You know you're on instagram uh, at uh, vin.infante is mm-hmm. there anything else any other social media
2: I'm on Instagram, yes, as Vin.infante. As you said before, I have my website, which occasionally I do blog posts. I should get more frequent with that. I'm also on TikTok as Vin Infante. Oh, you're on that?
1: That's yeah. (laughs)
2: Listen, it's great. I get to do some fun. I I do some funny, you know, relatable therapy videos, and I also do like quick pieces of advice. Like I have a video about how to how to use journaling to change your life. Like so, there's a lot of great information on there, and you can also find me on LinkedIn as Vincent Infante.
1: Great. Now, uh, do you have any final, rem- uh, final remarks for our audience?
2: I actually do. I would love to end with a quote. I Great. am very big on quotes. Quotes do help guide and shape my life. I think everybody should have quotes I've created, um, in my own house. I have what I call as a quote board where I just write down quotes that have inspired me, but more so quotes that I want to live by every day. One of my favorite quotes was from uh, the greatest emperor of Rome, which is Marcus Aurelius. I,
1: I'm, and, stu- I'm. By the way, I'm studying Stoicism right now. I have a ah, protege, and we're studying the book, the Meditations, and we're making our own adaptation of it, which we're going to publish uh, in the near future. So I, I love that. it. I love it, man. You're the man.
2: I'm a big fan of Stoicism. I have a, I have a, a great book right there. I'll show you after the, after the call. Um, <laughs> but the, my favorite quote from him. Is to be tolerant of others and strict with yourself. And this is one of the golden rules that I've carried that has literally transformed my life because I find that when you are compassionate with others and you are tolerant and you are understanding, you get so much more out of people, but to really get more out of your own life, you must be strict and hold yourself to a standard and raise your standards to not achieve less than you deserve. And it doesn't mean to beat yourself up. But it does mean to challenge yourself every day, and so as one of my favorite quotes, I hope it serves everyone who's oh, listening. It's and profound.
1: It it's profound. It's succinct. It's right there. Excellent stuff, Ben. You have been a most excellent guest, and I don't just say that because we're both Italian from Staten <laughs> Island, and uh, I was going to be a fire firefighter, but I was I was I was hung over the morning I was supposed to go, and I went to- <laughs> But uh, I've been sober a long time now. But, you know, truly, you have been a most excellent guest. You have uh, shared very valuable stuff. I highly recommend that anyone go check out your website or your, your social media. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And I want to remind everyone listening that we're all responsible for ourselves, and we can all use a little help. And with that, thank you for joining us, and I'll see you at the next podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us, Finn.
2: Thanks, Tony.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.